Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Ordina Osban, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yevamot, daf Samech Bet, page 62. Well, Anne, I don't know how you felt, but this seemed to me to be sort of like an old daf. Lots of good agadita, some good tidbits about our Tanaim and Amoraim. Um, and uh, I just want to say I enjoyed this daf after some of the previous dafim that we've been doing. Um, I'm going to focus on Amud Aleph here, and there's two interesting discussions about uh, the mitzvah of Pru-Revu um, under particular circumstances. Um, and both of these involve Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, the first one has to do with the convert. Uh, Let's say you have a man who had children um, and he was uh, a non-Jew and then he eventually converts. And the question is, do those children count towards uh, you know, towards his mitzvah of pru revu as a Jew. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Kiyem Priya Uravia. Rabbi Yochanan says he fulfills his mitzvah, that even though those children born prior to his conversion, they're still considered his uh, uh, his children. But Reish Lakish Amar Lo Kiyem Priya Uravia. Reish Lakish says he has not fulfilled it. And then the Gemara goes on to explain this a little more. Uh, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Kiyem Priya Uravia Dahahabele. Because Rabbi Yochanan says he has children, like his children are his children, and he and he had those children, right? And Reish Lakish says, no, it's, it's like he didn't have children, because once you convert, it is essentially like you are born again. And remember, we saw this previously in Yavamot, right, where we talked about how a convert in a way is like, uh, you know, if one of his relatives, like what's his relationship to his previous relatives, right? And in terms of, we talked about Erba and things like that. And so again, we have this concept here, this notion that, um, uh, you know, that uh, they're basically cut off from any part of their previous life. And Rabbi Yochanan, you know, he wants to say, no, the children are still the children. I don't know if this is a... Um, uh, uh, you know, you know, if that's sort of uh, an empathic thing or an emotional thing for him, keep that in the back of your mind as we read a little bit more about Rabbi Yochanan here. And for Rachel Lucky, she's just saying, no, a convert is a convert. I think what's also interesting here is, is just to keep in mind for a second that Rachel Lucky, uh, you know, is somebody who sort of became religious later on. He didn't convert, but he became religious later on. So I think that also is interesting that that sort of uh, in- informs him of that. Um, and then the Gemara goes on to explain this a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, both of these uh, particular positions and the Pesukim with which, uh, with which they... Uh... Now the Gemara goes on to another dispute involving uh, Pru Ravu, also involving Rabbi Yochanan, but here he disputes Rafuna. Right? Right? So if a man had children and they died in his lifetime, Rafuna Markim Priya Ravia. Rav Luna said he actually has still fulfilled uh, the obligation of Peru Revu, of having children. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Lokiam. Rabbi Yochanan says he has not. And so then again, they're going to go to uh, sort of explaining uh, these different, um, uh, they try to explain these different views, and they go through a whole thing about whether grandchildren can count as children or not. Um, I found Rabbi Yochanan's position to actually be very interesting. And I think this is why it's always important to know who it is that we're talking about um, and the stories of the Tanaim and Amorayim. When I read this, I was very struck by uh, the Gemara that we have in Brachos, 
which talks about it was a which talks about how Rabbi Yochanan actually had 10 sons who died and he used to walk around with the bone of the youngest uh, of the youngest of the youngest son. Um, I don't know if everybody uh, remembers that particular uh, uh, Gemara. And so it, it's striking to me that you have now, again, we don't have chrono- uh, chronology here. Um, and so is it possible that this statement he said uh, was a statement that was made before um, you know, this actually happened to him. But it's just striking to me that here you have, you know, somebody who unfortunately suffered, a, you know, terrible, terrible tragedy, right? And yet he still is willing to sort of say, like, those sons in a way didn't count. Now, the Gemara there in Brachos doesn't actually comment to us about whether or not, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, whether or not he had other children, um, but again, I just think it's interesting that for somebody who suffered the kind of losses that he did, that this is the position that she is willing, that he is willing uh, to have. Um, I think it's very poignant. I find that story, story disturbing the first time um, in terms of, first of all, the loss, but also like the, there's something very morbid about it, even if it's understandable. Um, yeah, uh, like, you know, it's a... It's a moving, it's a moving Gemara, I think. I think all of this is. The staff in general, and we did not, we do not have time to go through all of it, has a number of different um, sections, I would say, or topics that are each one of them kind of, you know, thoughtful and, and a little disturbing, but not in the way that we've, we've been seeing these past few Dapim, in the regular way of like, that's very sad or that kind of thing. So I'm going to pick another one um, where, okay, The Gemara here talks about marriage and talks about a man who marries a woman, you know, in their young years, younger years. And then if he marries another woman in his old age and if he has had children in his youth and then, you know, what does he have to does he have to worry about having children in his own age and in his old age rather and and fine. Meaning that's the context of this passage that I want to read, which, as you're doing, as you pointed out in our preparation, is a very nice nice nistar, which you'll see in just a moment. Now, Rabbi Akiva is kind of working off of this discussion of, of a man who marries twice in his life, in in his younger years and in his older years. And he says, you know, we should understand. And that's all, that is all coming off of a, a biblical verse, right? Talking about, for you know, younger and older. Rabbi Akiva says, don't understand it to be about marriage. Understand it to be about learning Torah. That if you learn Torah in your youth, then you will learn Torah in your old age. Ayulo talmidim bialduto. Ayulo talmidim biziknuto. If he has students in his youth, then he'll have other students, or you know, he will also have students in his in his old age. Shneamar, and here's the verse: Baboker zara et zarecha v'gomer. Right, they, in the morning you will sow your seed. So that can be taken literally to mean marriage, right? Or it can mean be taken figuratively in the sense of teaching Torah to students. Amru, um, now we should point out here that this is already going to be poignant because Rabbi Akiva himself only began learning Torah, this very famous story, right? That he only began learning Torah at the age of 40, which nowadays is considered fairly young, but back in the day, not so young. And he also, you know, I think everybody would agree that he was not a Torah scholar in his youth, right? As far as that goes. He had students in his younger years as somebody who was learning in Torah, meaning not younger years, under 40, but, you know, at whatever point when he was first 
um, studying, let's say, he attained students, but then, you know, we're going to discover, we're going to discuss that they died and he had to then acquire new students in his old age. Um, here's where the text says it. Kiva. 12,000 pairs of students, meaning 24,000 students were Rebbe Kiva's students. Um, meaning the the land, this is how far he is, his reach as a teacher uh, stretched from Gvat to Antipatris. Antipatris is in Yehuda, meaning, you know, the areas, Antipatris is in the, no, I'm sorry. Antipatris is in the Galil and Gvat, where do we, I'm not sure where Gvat is. Uh, maybe, maybe it's it's discussed. Maybe it's near Beersheba. The point being, the whole country, right? Meaning, he, the the breadth of the land incorporates his students. Um, and then Vukulan metu and then they all died in a in one um, brief period of time, um, which we understand to be a kind of plague or something like that that came upon them, which has more resonance perhaps nowadays than. We wanted to, but the but the rationale that is provided, and there's a you know a behind the scenes rationale that is presented. Because they did not teach each other, they did not treat each other rather with respect. And so you know, on the one hand, this is a terrible, terrible situation. Even if you want to say that twenty four thousand is is an exaggeration, it can't be that much of an exaggeration, right? Meaning in terms of like. The terrible situation, the tragedy of this was certainly great numbers of people. Um, and then, Vaya Haolam Shamim. And the Gemara attests to this tragedy. The world was desolate. Now, it's desolate. The, the Gemara seems to be saying of Torah, right? Vaya Haolam Shamim. The world was desolate. And then Rabbi Kiva came before the rabbis who were in the south, and he taught them. And what did he teach? Who did he teach? Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Lazar ben Shamua. Meaning these five students became the great students of Rabbi Akiva, who carry on his traditions in learning. And these same people upheld the Torah going forward. Meaning Rabbi Kiva's earlier students did not survive. And yet these five were able to convey Torah to the generations and their names that we know from the Gemara. Um, so, so meaning Rabbi Akiva himself kind of, I don't know, it's presented as being single-handed, single-handed restoration of the Torah that on the one hand, his students kind of diminished the, the crown of the Torah in the world. And then he was able to return it, so to speak. And the Gemara goes on to explain about the deaths of the Rabbi Akiva students. They all died from Pesach until Atzeret, Atzeret being Shavuot. So that's the Nes Nista, right? That's this, that this da falls out during this time of year. The Gemara says that they died a bad death. And what was that bad death? Amarav Nachman Askara. Rav Nachman says that it was Askara, which is translated to mean diphtheria, which is indeed a bad death, meaning it's it's a terrible, terrible tragedy that they died. Um, no matter how much you want to count the students from before and the students from afterwards and the fact that this many generations later, 
we have their Torah teaching um, at the same time. The tragedy that befell the students of Rabbi Akiva, the younger the the students of the younger Rabbi Akiva, um, is is a very sad moment of of Tanaitic history. Yeah, I mean, I I you know, look, this is one of these interesting passages. There obviously was some type of plague. The Gemara ascribes meaning to the plague. In other words, that that plague was actually punishment, right, uh, for how they they treated each other. Um, and, you know, they sort of had this lack of respect for each other. Um, I think it's also interesting, uh, you know, so it's interesting that we sort of memorialize this particular plague or tragedy, because I'm sure there have been other ones as well. Um, you know, I think we also just have to put into perspective sort of the importance of Rabbi Akiva losing these particular students, right? Remember that Rabbi Akiva is sort of abridging Tana from the destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash. He is a full supporter of Bar Kochba. So, you know, there's also a question here. Here, they don't ascribe the, the losing of those students to anything that has to do with Bar Kochba or the Romans. Instead, it sort of seems to be natural disease, um, which is also, you know, an interesting piece, even though, you know, I, I would have been more, more likely to think that maybe it would have been due to his involvement with that rebellion. But I think the, the point more is, is that here you have Rabbi Akiva, who's supposed to sort of be the teacher who's bridging between, you know, pre-destruction or the end of the second Beit HaMikdash to diaspora or sort of post-Beit HaMikdash Judaism. And all of these students of his gets lost. And he sort of has to rebuild almost not once, but almost twice in a way. So it, it, it's a very uh, dramatic piece to Rabbi Akiva's story. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point that you make about the Romans. I don't know that I would have thought about that. I maybe because you know I'm so accustomed to having heard the story of the illness, but I think that things like plague were fairly common in the ancient world, in the medieval world, in the until very recent modern world, right? Meaning diphtheria nowadays. If if Rev Nachman's characterization lines up with our understanding of disease today, right, which is always an open question, but um, the idea of vaccinating against uh, you know, infection or whatever is relatively new. Uh, right, virus, I agree right? with you. And that's why I think like ascribing it, in other words, death due to disease was just part of that world. So it's so interesting to me when they ascribe it to, you know, to like punishment. That's all I'm trying, like, Oh, that, oh, that I see. Fascinating I think that right. was also common, meaning I think the idea yeah, that... I'm sure it was, right. But why this particular plague, not another one? That that's That's sort of what's missing for me here. Yeah, that I can't answer. You're right. Good question. Right. And then the last piece, and I will just wrap it up with this, is again, this also leads sort of to like the, you know, I always keep calling Rabbi Akiva the eternal optimist, right? Here he loses all of these students, and yet he still continues teaching and he still rebuilds. So this is also part of his, you know, personality of always having hope and looking towards the future. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us, and all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.